TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's the Score North Twin Show. And welcome into the Score North Twin Show. Judd Zolga and Jake DePue. This should be the Score North Twin Show that is either preparing you for the American League Division Series and the Twins going to the bubble, or heck, it might come on a day where the Twins are playing the Astros in a hard-fought Game 3 of the first round series, Jake. But, I mean, this should be a show where we are looking ahead to something. And instead, we're going to look back because the Minnesota Twins have now lost 18 consecutive playoff games. Uh, when the pressure is on, they choke as bad as any team in the history of Major League Sports has choked. Uh, so I've been talking about this now briefly with you, but I've been talking about it for two straight days. The floor is yours. You start wherever you want to start. Well, um, it, it's hard for me to put into words how unbelievable this week is. How, I mean... It's pathetic. I mean, it just is. It's pathetic. 18 losses in a row over a 16-year period. I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing, you know? And um, I, I I couldn't believe what I was watching the last two days because it's like during those Yankees series, it was bad, but you always thought, well, the Yankees are the better team. The Twins are so much better than that terrible Astros team that came into Target Field and just ran them around and made them look silly. And the Twins put up no fight. And you just, I've never seen anything like this in sports. I just, you know, these games are ending in a loss. You just know it. You just know it. It's like, it's shocking. It's shocking to me. And, you know, this series, I have to say, it was really badly mismanaged, in my opinion. And look, the story of this series, the number one story is that the bats didn't show up. And there's not a lot that Rocco can do about that. But the decision-making in that series it, it was really bad. I, I'm sorry. In my opinion, it was. And I, I still think Rocco's a good manager. I'm not calling for him to be fired or anything like that. I think, he's, I think he's a strong manager. But we saw this in the playoffs last year. You and I talked about it all summer long. We really thought he would learn something from it, and he didn't. So, Judd, I, just, I have a list of my grievances that I would like to air uh, quickly here, if that's all right with you. Go, go right ahead, Mr. Costanza. <laughs> all right. Yes, exactly. All right, I have seven seven uh, points here that I want to hit on. I'll do them very quickly. So, sure. number seven in terms of mismanagement, in my opinion, bringing in Sergio Romo in the ninth inning of that tie game. Now, I know that Polanco made an error and Romo should have gotten out of that, but he also didn't pitch well in that inning. He gave up a couple of singles and he walked Altuve, who was one of the worst hitters in the league, with the bases loaded, when all you have to do is make Altuve uh, put the ball in play there. Romo uh, was not very good. Uh, you know, he, had, he in September, opponents were, had a 790 OPS off of him. He had a terrible last uh, game of the regular season uh, against Cincinnati, and I do not understand bringing him in when you had a, a number of better options, which I'll get to in a second. Hey, that, Jake? along with bringing in Caleb Fieldbar, when, it, when it's still a, a one-run game in that yep. night, and having him give up that two-run single to Brantley, that's number seven on my uh, my list of complaints. Hey, number Jake. six. Hey, Jake, can, can yes. I, I stop you for yes. one yes. second? As you get done with each one of these, because I love this, let's decide if it was a first guess. So, like, like if what you bring up was, uh, well, I would have done the same thing, but it didn't work. Because uh, I will say, we've talked for, I think, a month about be cautious with Sergio. That was a first guess. Yep. It so, like, like, if Rocco had called us up, if Rocco had called you in Boston and said, hey, it's Baldelli from the dugout, what do you think? about Romo in the ninth, 
I believe that you would have said, I don't really like it. I would have, you know, and, and it's totally fair to say whether it's a first or second guess because it is easy to second guess the manager. I totally recognize that. We all do that, and it's not totally fair, but that would, that's a first guess to me. I would not have gone with Romo. I would have gone with Matt Whistler or Tyler Clifford, and we're both on record on this podcast as saying they were our second and third, uh, you know, best options in, in this series. Mm-hmm. I certainly would have gone to them after uh, Romo had given up all those base runners and not bringing Caleb Gilbert. But yeah, I would have never brought in Romo in the ninth. So to me, that's the first guess. Agreed. Right, number six. This is uh, kind of an under the radar one, but I thought it was important. Uh, Urquidy, the, the starter from yesterday, I tweeted this out before the game. He has enormous reverse splits. Enormous. Left-handed hitters, even though he's a right-handed pitcher, um, are feeble against him. Like, just, just cannot hit him at all. They have an OPS of like, I think it was like 260 or something in his career. Uh, it was ridiculously low. And that was the case throughout his minor league career too. So you want to have as many righties as possible in the lineup. Now, I get that they didn't have a lot of options because Donaldson and Buxton were out. But they, why would you stack the top of the lineup with left-handed hitters when you know, when you know that Urquidy pitches those guys way better than righties? It made no sense to me. So if you look at the lineup from yesterday's game against Urquidy, um, the leadoff hitter in that game, left-handed hitting, Luis Arise. Batting second, left-handed hitting, Max Kepler. Batting fourth, Eddie Rosario, left-handed hitter. That made no sense to me. Put, you don't stack the top of the lineup against lefties with lefties against a pitcher who's incredible against lefties. So yeah. to me, that's the first guess. I tweeted it out before the game, so I'm going to say first guess. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Keep going. This is great. Number five. Pitching Cody Stashek for two innings in a tie game. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, now, I love this one. We got to spend some time on this, baby. Now, this is for sure a first guess because we talked about this maybe more than any other single topic on the podcast all season long, how they pitched Stashek in a close game at Yankee Stadium uh, last year, and it blew up in their face. And they did the exact same thing. Rocco did the same thing. Now, it's one thing to pitch Stashek for an inning. He's one of those, he's one of your guys. You have to pitch him for an inning. But why is he the only guy, your sixth or seventh best reliever, that you're pitching multi-innings? I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. He did the exact same thing. And he almost got away with it. Stashek got five outs, but then he gave up the game winning, or what ended up being the game winning home run in Carlos Correa. And why wouldn't you have set Barrios back out there for the sixth at 75 pitches? And I know it's his third time through, okay? But it's a playoff game. And, and hold had that, some, hold that, hold and that. Had, that's on my list. And had somebody, and had somebody ready to come in if Barrios did scuffle. But the Stashek thing amazed me. It was as if, it's as if Rocco wants to walk a tight wire on purpose. And yeah. shockingly, guess what? It's a tight wire suspended above the Grand Canyon. And when he slips, his team dies. I, I, I just, I couldn't believe what I was watching after what we saw yesterday. Have you, did you not learn anything? And it's not like you didn't have better options. Like, I'm fine with Stashek for an inning. I really am. But two innings, that's, that's Tyler Duffy and maybe uh, Whistler and Clipper territory. That's it. Uh, so that's, that's an obvious first guess. And all you have to do is listen to any of our podcasts from this year to know that. Number four, pinch hitting your fourth string catcher. Fourth oh. string catcher, Williams Estadio, <laughs> with the game on the line in the ninth inning. Uh, and Estadio, predictably, hits into a, an inning, a game-ending double play on the first pitch. You have Alex Kirilov. Alex Kirilov, one of the best-hitting prospects in the game. 
on your bench. I don't care that it's a lefty on the mound. I will take my chances with Alex Kirilov, certainly your best position player prospect, your best hitting prospect in the organization, over fourth string catcher, Williams Astadio. That's number four. Um, do, do you have, and if, if you do, forgive me, do you have the decision that was before that too? Yes, Mitch okay. Garver is, okay. is an extension of that. Um, I don't understand why they pinch hit Garver for Jeffers and I think the seventh, which created that situation. Um, so that's part of it as well. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that, that one to me. So now, so now, first of all, when you set the roster at 10 a.m. Tuesday, you had four catchers, which I didn't get until you proceeded in game one to use all four, which I really didn't get. So, yeah, that one to me was the second that he pinch hit Garver, who, by the way, do be clear, has been terrible. Like, he had a terrible season. The second he pinch hit him in the seventh, I don't think there was any baseball fan who didn't say, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? There was no reason to do it. There's no compelling case. Like, they would come up, they would torture a statistic into being the reason i'm sorry in this case makes no sense it, it doesn't and you have again you have alex kirloff on the bench i will take that lefty lefty matchup over williams estadio i'm sorry i'm not ripping estadio he's a good he's good depth but you have alex kirloff on the bench this is why you put him on the roster that that one was just uh, i i i don't i just that's the first guess i'm sorry that's the first guess all right number three uh, this is a two-parter. Pulling Kenta Maeda, who pitched five scoreless innings after 91 pitches. We talked about this exact scenario on the podcast on Monday. And then the second part, pulling Jose Barrios, who had thrown 75 pitches and looked great. He gave up one run on a bleeder uh, through the shift. Barrios was pumped up. He was finally having his postseason moment, and he gets pulled after 75 pitches. Those two moves, both first guesses. Uh, my eight is going to be top three in the Cy Young, top five for sure. 91 pitches and then 75 for Barrios. I don't care third time through the order. Have a little bit of common sense here. You can't just go by the book. You can't just go by the book. It's not all analytics, and I love analytics. Those guys were pitching well. You have to keep them in the game there. You keep them in the game. The Maeda move I really didn't like. I objected to it. The Barrios move I hated beyond belief. Um, it sent, it sent a bad message in that moment to Barrios. It sent, in my opinion, a defeatist panic message to the entire team because Jose Barrios, I mean, this is what we have been looking for since the day he got here. Like we have been in his face on this podcast, on many, many shows beyond ours saying, Jose, give us this, like you can do it, give, and he did it. And you base, I mean, there is no other way to put it than Rocco Baldelli approached Barrios to lift him and gave him the biggest vote of no confidence that I have seen. It was, it, that moment said everything I need to know in playoff games about Baldelli. Like that was where you, you wanted to take Baldelli by the shoulders and be like, you're not doing this. Like, Jose, go sit down. You're coming back in. And Rocco, what you are doing right now, and I don't care if it's an extension of Falvey, Levine, I don't care. What you are doing right now is immature, misguided, and a monumental mistake. Because, and, Jake, Jake, think about this. Forget about Barrios for one second, okay? If you're with, with the Twins, and you've been playing two games now at that point of uptight baseball, there's no question. The losing streak has gotten to you, okay? 
What's the message when this guy, who, by the way, I think you like a lot, is shoving? Like, he's pitching as well as he possibly can, and he is getting by um, with a type of game that you're like, oh, my God, this is the game. And you basically look him in the eye, and by extension, the rest of that team and are like, yeah, he's still done. What's the message? It, yeah, the message is that we don't trust you. That's the message. I mean, it, it, <laughs> the message is we feel lucky that you got through five, uh, and we don't trust you for any more. And Barrios' reaction, I mean, the cameras picked it up. Like, he was not happy. And I don't blame him. No. And he had just pitched a great fifth, came off the mound, firing, you know, pumped up, like, turning to his guy saying, let's get some runs. Like, yep. it was a moment. It was a postseason moment. Twins have had so, so few of those. And to pull the plug on that right when he's, you know, right when he's firing his guys up and he's clearly got more left in the tank, pitching well, like, oh, man, by, did I disagree with that. Wow. By the way, by the way, he didn't pitch great in, in the fourth. Kanta and Barrios both, both uh, struggled, excuse me, in the fourth. But that being said, the run that scored off Barrios in the fourth was a direct result of the shift. So if Polanco is at shortstop, and it's not Polanco's fault, but if he's at shortstop, that inning is done with no run scored. So if you're Barrios, you're like, it's 1-1. It's 1-1 because of your shift, which is fine. That's your decision. But that, but that being said, now I'm being punished for that, and I'm done. It was, I think, Jake, I think I can say this confidently. In two years, I think it's the worst decision, single decision, that Rocco's made. I would tend to agree with that. I can't think of a worse one. Because it was, it was irresponsible. Yeah. Like, like it, basically, it basically said, I'm going to put my brain in, in the bat rack and allow something else to dictate a decision. Yeah. Like, how is that even, how is that, if somebody, if, if Rocco did that by himself, which I doubt, but whoever was behind that, if it was a person or two or three, I hope they were all sat down by somebody last night and said, you're never doing that again. Yeah. And, you know, I get, I get that it was third time through the order and Barrios has struggled third time through the order. Uh, but, like, you got to use the eye test a little bit. Uh, again, I, I'm an analytics guy, but come on. He was pitching well. And, and read the room. And just, read the, read, just read the room. Read the room. And, and when the corresponding move is to a multi-inning appearance from Stashak, yes. like, come on. Come and this is not ripping Stashek. He's a he's a fine reliever, but like, I mean, I I, I was legitimately be- like I was watching on TV and I saw Rocco with his hand on Rios's shoulder and my jaw dropped. I could I could not believe it. I just thought it was a foregone conclusion. He was going to pitch the six. Of course he's going to pitch the six. He's he's at seventy five pitches. He's pitching great. He's pumped up. Like that that was deflating. That was deflating for that team. I've I, I've you know I, I've little doubt that 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 had an impact in the dugout, you know, um, just, a, I, I couldn't, it was like the reverse Grady little. Remember when Grady little came out in the 2003 ALCS and left Pedro in yes. way too long. It's yes. like the opposite of that. Anyways, that's number three. Number two combined appearances from Matt Whistler, your best reliever statistically, Tyler Clippard, you're probably your third best reliever and Jake Odorizzi. Combined appearances in the series, zero. They never appeared. How? Now, look, Odo, I'll, I'll say that's a second guess because I, I get that he's a starter. Um, 
you know, and it, that's a little bit trickier. Although if you watch the, the press conference after the game and you read between the lines of what Odorizzi was saying, he was not happy that he didn't appear after warming up, I think three times. He yeah, so, I, I felt like I could have contributed. You, you just know, it, it is what it is. You he, just hit it. Yeah. Yeah. He kept getting up and they didn't use him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is, if you're a pitcher, I, I think, I think if you're a pitcher in the bullpen and you get up, as you just said, three times and are not used, I think you're saying, what the hell are you doing with me? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and by the way, it was a great moment. Uh, you know, a couple of guys caught it uh, when Odorizzi went to the mound after the game yeah. and just sort of stood there for a minute and was like taking it in because I think he knows this is probably it for him in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> you know, but I'm sure part of that was also frustration that he never got out there in that game. You know, I mean, he should have pitched, pitched in the series. But Whistler and Clipper, if you had asked me who is guaranteed to make an appearance <laughs> out of the pen in this series outside of Tyler Duffy and Rogers Whistler and Clipper would have been next on the, on that list. I mean, we, we ranked, ranked that last our, week. We did it. We did it. We did it. We ranked our trust tree and we debated whether Whistler and Clipper were which order they were in terms of two, three, right. But yes. they were right after Duffy for both of us. I cannot believe they didn't get in a game while Stashek pitched two innings and Thielbar uh, pitched in a high leverage spot in a one run game in the ninth inning. Again, no disrespect to those guys, but you've got to go with your best arms. It's just, this is so, this is so basic. This is just basic logic. I can't believe they never got in. I don't think Clippert even warmed up. He may have. I I, they had a lot of guys up. I don't recall, but uh, yes, it, it's, it's, inc- it's incredible that you basically shorted both of your starters who were pitching really well by an inning a piece, if not by two, and you shorted them, and you didn't get what we consider trust tree wise to be the best arms in the bullpen that that you had going in. At least you didn't use them. Yep. And yeah, and I know what I mean. He repeated um, pitching wise. Rocco repeated every mistake that he made against the Yankees last season. It was as if he didn't. It was as if that series never happened. It's just unbelievable. And, and it was the Astros. You're you're right. I mean. Jake, think about this. And I, I told, uh, I, I made the statement to Phil too. I'm about to say something that if I had said it when we did the podcast last week, you would have said, you, you would have shut this thing off and walked away. Dusty Baker, when it came to pitching, one of the most, most notorious abusers of pitchers, and I understand that he is different now, okay? But just the long line of Baker's mismanagement of starters, relievers. Dusty Baker did you completely when it came to pitching. Like Rocco Baldelli looked like he was a, a third grade kid and Dusty was teaching a college class on how to use pitching. If I had said, if I had predicted that to you last week, you would have gotten off the podcast, you would have walked away, and we never would have spoken again because it, it would have been such a stupid statement for me to make. Yeah, and, and I, I can't disagree with you. And I, I hate ripping Rocco this much because I really do think he's a good manager. I, it's not like I would fire him, but. I just don't know how you can argue with a lot of these points. I just... I, well, I wonder, too, though, if we're talking about, like, I wonder where this all starts decision-wise. Baldelli, I blame a ton. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but Fal- I mean, Falvey and Levine. I mean, they're in there. But, I mean, then somebody has to talk to them. Like, somebody has to approach, like, somebody has to teach playoff baseball. Like, yep. I'll do it. it. It'll cost you. I'm not going to do it for free. But if you need me to come in and teach a class on playoff baseball, I'll do that. I mean, Derek Falvey's a smart guy. He knows tons of smart folks. Um, consult them like yep. to handle, to handle the playoffs. Like it's July 15th is a crime. It's a crime to your players. It's a crime to your fan base. Um, it's a crime. 
It's yep. a baseball crime. Yep. And, you know, Rocco said, I think he said after game one, I'm not sure exactly when he said it, but it was sometime during, you know, the, the, the series. He said, we, we approach, we get ready for this, for these games the same way we get ready for every game. And I thought, that's it. That's it right there. That summarizes every complaint that we have about their mentality. It's, it, I really believe him when he says that. I think yep. they just view these games more or less as like any other game. Yes. Like, I, I mean, they've really done nothing to dispel that other than bringing up Kirloff. That was an aggressive move, and I like that, mm-hmm. although it was out of desperation. Um, but other than that, it's like the way they manage the, the pitchers and, um, and, you know, pinch hitting Astadio and all these things, it really does seem like it's July. I, <laughs> it, it's, it's weird to say that, but like, I don't know. I'm, tr- I'm just, I'm trying to come up with an explanation. Like, what is their thinking? And I just, I struggle with, with that. I mean, I know they're going strictly by the book uh, on some of these moves with like third time through the order and stuff. But like, man, it, it, the Yankees aren't approaching it like this. You know, the Cubs in 2016, when, as, to, to use your words, they ab- abused Araldus Chapman and just pitched him until his arm almost fell off. You know, they weren't viewing it like that. You got to have a little bit more aggressiveness. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they, they, spent, they spent this entire year basically acting like they treated the 60-game season like it was, for the most part, not to- entirely, but for the most part, like it was 162, right? Yep. And then they treated the play. I mean, you're right. They just, they're, they're, they're not changing their ways to address the circumstances. But that's also not an excuse. Like you can't, you can't just throw your hands up and say, "Well, I guess they're all." They've lost eighteen consecutive playoff games, and this group is very much now part of that streak because they're in this for five of them. Um, so it doesn't feel like we can just walk away from the kids and be like, "Well, if they won't behave, screw it." Something has to change here. You because it might not be fair, but we are now, I think, to a point where the Twins are good. The Twins are competitive. I mean, Twins oh. are a fun baseball team. This is not the two thousand fourteen Twins. That being said. Once you get to the point that we're at, I don't blame the fan base for show for saying, "Well, yeah, you're winning division titles, and that's awesome. What are you doing in the playoffs?" Um, and and you know, I go back eight years, and we would have given anything for the Twins to make the playoffs, much less advance. But we are now to the point where I don't think it's too much to ask what we consider to be a good, well managed for the most part, most of the time, baseball team to win a damn playoff game. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that. Falvey, Levine, Rocco, their process over the course of, of a season and, and an off season and like just their long-term process is incredibly good. Incredibly good. The turnaround that they've made taking over a 103 loss team and winning and now making the playoffs three out of the last four years, three out of their four years that they've been here, Falvey and Levine, they've done amazing things and they should be, you know, applauded for that. Their process is phenomenal, but their postseason process to me is just very, very very flawed just the, the complete lack of aggressiveness is just i really i really don't get it i really thought they would have learned i thought they would have learned from last year but let me give you my number one yeah let me give you my number one this is a second guess i'll admit that this is a second guess but the more i thought about it the more it it ticked me off they were so panicked and that's a problem they played two games panicked i i agree that the decision to play buxton is a symptom of what goes wrong with this team in the playoffs and here's so here's where i would start too um rocco 
This, oh boy. Rocco, after the game, finally acknowledged the streak, okay? After the game. I understand going into Yankee Stadium last year, not embracing it, because that really was not his team. And, and the whole notion of, hey, this is the, this is the Bomba Squad. It's a new team. Was at, was It might be questionable, but it was fine. By the time you started Game 1 this year, to not acknowledge that you owned part of that streak and to not embrace that streak and to not bring that streak to the clubhouse. I'm so sick of hearing them say, the players would look at me like I'm goofy. No, they wouldn't. The players feel that streak now, and they should, because they're now five deep into that streak. Six. Um, six. Or, a lot of them six. around for the 2017. Lot. Okay, and I told Phil that this too. I said what Rocco is doing, and 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 look, he's a young guy. That this, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to blame Rocco thinking he's smarter than he is on why he has mismanaged the particulars of what is now an 18 game streak and six with his guys. Um, Rocco's a young guy, and Rocco thinks, well, the house is burning down, but if I let the if I let the fire prolonged, it's eventually going to go out by itself, right? So why acknowledge it? The players need him to acknowledge it. The players need to embrace it in a positive sense of, yes, we are part of this, and we need to acknowledge it and end it. Because what I saw in, in a team that I believe in two games, Jake, was seven for 59 at the plate. What I saw was a team that was holding the bat so tight that they could have turned their bats into sawdust because everybody knew that the house was on fire and no one was going to call the fire department. And I really blame Rocco on not understanding the specifics of human nature of what the approach has to be but saying it's not our streak one it's just wrong it is your streak and two it's counterproductive because it makes people more uptight and by the way you then not only didn't acknowledge it you bought into it yourself by removing Barrios, thereby showing you were panicked or by pinch hitting garver those things all were tells that you were damn aware of this streak and you were trying to ignore it. None of those things in your job, in your relationship, or with your sports team, ignoring the obvious, especially negative, is not positive. It's ignoring it. And what happens? What happens if you and the wife have a problem that you both don't talk about? It eventually festers and blows up, right? Same thing with me. That's exactly what Rocco is doing. And I am going to give him a little bit of a pass because I think it comes from being a bit immature himself and thinking that he knows psychology when this one's more difficult and he didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to explain a, a lot of the, the moves that he made. It, it really is. And, and I, I just disagree. I just disagreed with almost all of those moves and the Buxton thing is more complicated, you know, and it, it, it really is. And, and we don't know the specifics. We don't because they won't, they wouldn't tell us. Um, but I just, I had a hard time watching that man. you know, I had a hard time watching it when, when he was wearing those sunglasses and, 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 and not running and then gets picked off. Like to me, it's like, I'm, I just, I don't know. It seems like something's not right there and, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous with head stuff. But, um, yeah, as far as the streak thing, they are part of it. I mean, Rocco wasn't there for the wild card game, but a lot of these core guys were, um, and he's certainly been there for the last five. So, you know, I mean, if you include the wild card game, that's a third of the streak. So they're a big part of it. Um, and I just, I don't get, just acknowledge it. Like you said, like it, it, it's a thing. And I think, 
I think ignoring it makes it worse. And to say that the players aren't even aware of it, like, well, how, how can that be true? Because last year in the clubhouse, as you said, you were there in the clubhouse, that's all anybody asked them about in Yankee Stadium. So how can you say that the players, like, aren't even aware of it or would look at you funny if you, like, of course they're aware of it. I mean, come on. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, if the bats show up and they hit a few home runs, we're not talking about a lot of these things. And I have, we have to acknowledge that. But that doesn't take away from the fact that a lot of these decisions, I just think, were misguided. But let's get to, to the core of why the bats didn't show up. Because, to your point, Houston's not that good. I mean, this is a below 500 team that, was, that won nine games on the road, okay? This is not a powerhouse and, oh, my gosh, you got steamrolled again by the big, bad Yankees. This was a very average team, which I think on Tuesday, I think when the Twins had the bases loaded first inning on Tuesday, Houston have had every intention of getting on a plane as quickly as possible and dispersing the golf courses and going home. And they, the Twins literally had them on the ropes to where I thought, if you get a hit here mm-hmm. and score some runs, this, this sucker is going to be five rip and Houston is going to be as checked out as they can possibly be. And the Twins basically said, oh, my God, it's the playoffs. We can't do that. Uh, so I think this whole thing, I think the Twins' failure across the board will – whether it be Baldelli or the hitters, Jake, I think it all tracks back to mentality and psychology and, and has very little to do with the Astros and has everything to do with themselves. And I don't know if a bunch of, I don't know if a group of people that work in professional athletics has the ability to delve into what I'm talking about. I'm sure some do, some don't. Um, But if they don't tackle that, then then I think that they're going to be, again, a very good team in 2021 that's going to fall flat on its face. Because until, until they get to the root of the issue that exists here, I really believe that this is now going to become just a cycle. I mean, it's 18 games. It's six with this collection. And I think that they are very much in a cycle where if everybody basically uh, plugs their ears and says, la, 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 playoffs are here, that you're going to get swept again. You might win a game. I don't know. But you aren't getting near a World Series until the core issue here is addressed. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. And to get back to your point about that first inning, that Rosario lineout and then Sano getting thrown out by half a step on that roller, those are the two biggest plays of the series to me. If Rosario hits that ball into the corner and they score two or three runs, you know, that inning, I, I think Houston packs it in. I, I don't think he, – here's the thing. Houston didn't even play well. It's not like they played well this no. series. Like no. the bats, their bats weren't good. Um, I, I, you know, you could say they pitched well. I would argue it was more that the Twins just didn't have quality at bats. But in that first inning, they did. The quality of at bats in that first inning was really high. You know, they were drawing walks. They were taking close pitches. Rosario draws a 2-0 count and hits the ball really hard. You can't blame him. That was a good at bat. He just hit it right at uh, Guriel at first. But that was just so deflating. And then when Sano gets thrown out by half a step, it seemed like it just totally deflated them. I don't know that that's true, but I do know that the quality of at-bats went way down after that. Um, and it seemed like maybe a little bit of, of, if not panic, like a little bit of here we go again was setting in. That, again, that's speculation. That's what it felt like to me. Um, yeah, I agree with you. But, you know, I mean, they got 
four, they had they had four hits on Tuesday, and I think three. Yes, seven hits total. Seven hits total. Five singles. Two Cruz RBI doubles. Right. Seven seven for fifty nine in two games against Astros pitching. That is okay. It was okay. I mean, it, okay. It was, okay. I mean, at best, I just it was shocking to me. It, I don't like. I'm still in shock about it. I cannot believe they they put up that performance and. Listen, like the Polanco play in the ninth, um, it's bad. It's bad. You know, it's um, – I don't know if he was nervous or if he just, you know, screwed up the throw. Like that happens. But, like, they should have never even been in that position, you know. It, 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 one, well, one, and Romo shouldn't have been in the game. Yep. Sergio Romo should not have been pitching there. But as I, – I think it was when the Twins were – trying to make a run to the playoffs against Cleveland in 80, was it four or five? I think it was 84. Uh, and, and they, I think they blew a 10-rip lead in Cleveland at, at the old stadium there. And the great Gaiety line applies to what ha- happened to Polanco, which is it's hard to play with both hands around your throat. And the play looked like, from Polanco's standpoint, nonchalant, but I don't think it was. I, I, think, I think this team was incredibly tight. And I think it was a product of them trying to ignore the fact. Look, look, I don't care. I don't care who did what, okay? But you know what? The Boston Red Sox had the curse going, right? And the Cubs had their, had their long drought. And every one of the players who played for those teams when those streaks ended were acutely aware of those streaks, and they had been addressed. And the last time I checked, you know, Chris Bryant didn't play on the 1908 Cubs, okay? So he had nothing to do with that. Um, but I just I just think ignoring the elephant in the sports room when it's as large as it's gotten for the Twins is completely counterproductive. If I'm the Twins, I go into spring training next year with T-shirts about the streak. Yeah. I, I embrace the damn streak, and I acknowledge it, and I say, you know what? Alec Kirilov wasn't even born or he was two or something ridiculous because he's young as hell. And I hate that when when the streak started, but Alex Kirloff is as much a part of this as anybody. And he's getting a damn t-shirt because the way that we've been trying to ignore it hasn't been working. It hasn't been working. And when the Red Sox and Cubs got over the hump, guess what happened? They very much acknowledged the streak because eventually you have to. Yeah. You have to, especially when it's just something this extreme. I mean, 18 in a row in baseball when you're, when you're, and these are all good teams. These are all playoff teams and you're playing your best guys. It's just, let's see here. Alex Kirloff. I got my twins guide right here. I'm going to look up Alex Kirloff's age and see how old he was in October of 2004. When this, uh, when this streak, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's 21. Uh, he, had. he was, he was born 11, nine, 97. So he was approximately what, six or seven at the time. Yeah. He was six years old at the time. So, but I mean, you've got to do something. You can't keep doing this. This can't keep up. Baldelli has to, has to mature in how he handles things in playoff games. Uh, and he's got to acknowledge the fact that his players have to be on board because I mean, this to me, two games and out against Houston definition of embarrassment. It was really just, bad. It was good. really bad. And they, and they, it wasn't like Houston got really hot at the plate, you know? No. I mean, Houston, like I said, Houston didn't play well. They didn't, they, they, they made a couple of errors in the field, at least one. Um, and, and like, 
they just they look checked out to me. Like the, that first game, especially. I just yeah. think they wanted to go home. I think it's been a long year for them. Completely yep. self-inflicted. They're but not it, a good team. It's been a long year. They're not a good team. Yep. Their numbers are way down, uh, and I think we we have a pretty good reason why that might be. Um, and I just think they wanted to go home, and and the Twins were, mo- I think, motivated as hell to to make a run, and and it just it just didn't happen. It just the at bats were were bad. They were bad. I mean, they just popped everything up. Just so much weak contact. They couldn't barrel anything up. And the Astros, Baldelli said it after the game, the Astros were throwing them fastballs. Fastball mm-hmm. after fastball after fastball, and they just couldn't barrel anything up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I- I'm just at a loss, Judd. I-, I really am. Like, this is so biz- It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in sports, this streak. The most improbable. But the Yankees thing was a good excuse of, well, it's the Yankees and they can't beat the Yankees. And it's the psychological edge that the Yankees have. And we could go back and forth on that and we could blame it on the, on the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees. Now you've lost to a bad team. You were at home. Everything was going for you. So, so now, now I think you have no choice, but if you're the twins to look yourself firmly in the mirror, because this is all on you. There's no big, bad opponent here. There's no, you didn't have to start on the road. Um, there are no excuses now. Like this is, this might be ultimately, I hope for their sake, the best thing that could have happened because this has to make you examine how you go about your business and uh, assuming, and I am, that they're back in the playoffs next year because I think it's going to be an expanded playoff field from here on out. Uh, Assuming that's the case, this has to get you to examine yourself. It has to. I mean, how could it not? Like you've got no choice now. You lost to the Houston Astros. So Uh, Yeah, I mean, even if, even if you say the streak is, you know, two thirds of it was before your time, you've now lost six games in a row. You've taken a pretty passive approach to the last two series, and you lost to a bad and under five hundred Astros team at home. I mean, it's just yep. something is not right. Like something's not working. And miss me with the small sample stuff, small sample size stuff, because they, you know, the. <laughs> They just didn't show up, man, after that first inning. They just totally deflated. The only time I thought, okay, maybe they're turning it around is when Barrios get really pumped up coming off the mound after the fifth, and then they pulled him. They pulled him, yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. All right, sir, let's uh, regroup probably next week and talk about our biggest concerns going into the into the winter, what we think the Twins are going to do, because I think there are going to be changes made. How, how does that sound? Sounds great. Uh, he's Jake DePew. I am Judd Zolgad. We will uh, talk to you on next week's Score North Twin Show. Appreciate you listening. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.